Greetings, happy Hearthstone listeners, you amazing people, you. I have to add in an intro here to apologize profusely for the audio quality of this show. Unfortunately, it looks like I didn't check my mic before I hit the record button, and by the time I had finished the entire hour of talking and went back to edit it, it didn't sound so great. So I apologize. It's listenable for sure. Just wanted to give you a heads up. I did what I could, but it's definitely less than I would have uh, preferred, especially for an important episode like this. So regardless, I hope you enjoy, and I'll talk to you on the other side of this awesome music. You, my friend, are listening to The Happy Hearthstone. This episode is brought to you, as always, by great people just like you. People like Daniel R., Clay C., Roger A., Samurai Flea, Scott L., Nate Dog, Ridiculous Hat, James W., Forrest B., and Electric Mick. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You can join them and get some great perks over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone. And it's not too late to get the single player for Savers of Old Doom for free with your pre-order. Go to thehappyhearthstone.com, scroll to the bottom, click on the blog post to find out how. Welcome to episode 174 of the Happy Hearthstone, the longest running Hearthstone podcast in the history of space and time and cards. I'm your host, Andrew Brown, and this week, guess what? We've got another week with just you and me. And we're going to talk about why. This entire episode is going to have a very different feel to it. So... If you come for the happy uh, happy positivity, I'm going to bring that. But we're also going to talk a lot, uh, a lot more ground level. And I'll explain a little bit. Well, I should explain now, actually, I guess. So here's where today's episode is coming from. First of all, um, I have actually had co-hosts who were on the docket for this month. And they both, for, uh, for actually the exact same reason, after talking with them, they basically said, Andrew, I love the show. I, you know, Hearthstone has always been special to me, um, but I'm just really not playing it right now. Uh, and so I don't feel like I could bring much to the table. And I had some conversations with them to sort of, you know, say, well, maybe there's another way or we could talk about something along those lines. And it just kind of became obvious that, uh, that it probably wasn't actually going to be best uh, to have them on right now. Uh, now, I, I have to say that both individuals I'm huge fans of, and I think they're really great. And I have no hard feelings, honestly, uh, because I get it. They put me in a situation of saying, okay, well, I can, I can always just drag out my mic and, and turn it on and record some thoughts for you lovely people. Um, but could we, uh, is what's happening actually indicative that we need to have a specific conversation? Well, then a friend of mine who goes by TVZ Games on uh, Twitter and on Twitch uh, she's a Serbian player streamer uh, for Hearthstone. She put out a tweet that's, that was titled, My Pre-Breakup Letter and Ideas on How to Save Our Relationship. I'll be sure to link to that tweet in the show notes. It was a twit longer, uh, which if you're not familiar, just basically takes away all of the uh, stipulations about how many characters you can use in a tweet because it's its own web page. <laughs> But it allows you to sort of make something of a light blog post that gets a lot of thoughts in one place. And so 
she took the time to really go in uh, in great detail about her history with the game, why Hearthstone means so much to her, and why things feel so different and honestly negative or bad to her. And she tagged me and a number of other content creators and asked us to share our opinions. And honestly, I read through her her thoughts. I've seen other people doing similar things, um, but I was really I really connected with her as far as being a content streamer. Really respect her. I think she brings a lot to the community. And because she straight up challenged me, I said, you know what? Okay, let's do this. And I thought that especially with what's happened with co-hosts from the community that I had lined up this month, it only made sense. And I'll be honest, uh, doing four shows in a month, I need to come up with more with more content things than I, than I usually do. So I thought it, it, it all just came together to say, okay, uh, let's make an episode that may not be quite as just uh, sunshine and rainbows. I still have plenty of them. Uh, Positivity is on my strengths finder. It's one of my top five. Uh, but I, there's also a time and a place to be real and to, to talk about things. So that's going to be our main topic today is talking through uh, just my thoughts on the state of Hearthstone, where it's at, what's good, what could be better. And I hope that it's helpful. If anyone from Blizzard does end up listening to this, I am honored that you would listen to it and take my thoughts into account. I promise I'll try and do it in the uh, best, most constructive way possible. Uh, because I, at the end of the day, I'm turning on my mic because I love this game and I really want to see it continue to improve. And we, there's been a fair share of things in the community and on the developer side that have been tough over the past year and, and even more than that. So uh, looking forward to sharing all of those thoughts with you. But before we get there, I have to start out the episode, as I always do, talking about why I'm happy. Well, Prime Day has come and gone, and honestly, this year, there weren't a ton of great deals for Prime Day unless you were in the market for things that were Amazon-developed, and I actually was, in fact, in the market for one of those. Um, I, tw I actually tweeted this out, so some of you may have seen it, but I was considering getting an Amazon Fire TV stick. We had an Apple TV and it was the last generation where you couldn't download apps. And I was kind of bummed. There was one in particular I really wanted for my daughter on there and just didn't have access to it. So I thought, well, if they've got a good deal on Fire Sticks, then maybe I can uh, I can swing one of those. And in fact, they did. Uh, and we just recently, uh, our, our TV actually busted. And so we were able to trade it back in for an upgrade and got a 4K TV. So 4K TV sticks were 25 bucks. And I was like, well, that's kind of uh, impossible to beat. So we got that. Uh, man, the interface on the Amazon Fire is very slick. And I'm a big fan of it so far. We've got the Alexa baked in on the remote. The only problem is there's actually a little bit of the TV screen that's not working. Like the very bottom row of pixels are just off. And, it, and it's on the uh, Fire Stick side because I've done my IT things and process of elimination, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm probably going to have to send it back in, but I really don't want to because I just want it with me anyway. Uh, so that was cool getting a deal like that. Um, what else has been going on? A lot of a lot of hanging out, honestly. I mean, when you've got an infant in the house, uh, your margin becomes very, very slim. So lots of uh, lots of hanging out. I'm really excited for Saviors to come out very soon. Oh, I'm also excited. How about this for a, for a random fact? So many of you may not know that I'm actually quite the beer snob, honestly. And there was a new place in town that opened up called Beasts and Brews. And they have amazing food that is like they have wild game there. And they have all sorts of uh, just crazy things. I'm trying to think of what we had there. We had like a burnt ends uh, appetizer, which is always good when you can do that right. 
and uh, we didn't have a steak, but the steaks looked amazing. Anyway, uh, the big thing that they have there, they have a self-pour like a hundred taps on site. And the way they do that, like you get a card and you basically, you put the card uh, next to the tap that you want in this little uh, kind of a slot, like think of it like a slot machine or an arcade or something. You put it there and then you pour out as much as you want and you pay by the ounce. And so you can make your own flight. You can uh, taste something. And if you really like it, you know, do a whole glass or whatever. It's just really neat. And I love the variety that you get to try stuff. Anyway, we went there with my family a few weeks ago and I'm going back with some of my guy friends in town tomorrow. So super psyched for that. I'll I'll be sure to share some uh, some highlights on Twitter for you. So uh, you can go check that out if you want to see the beauty that is Beasts and Brews. And if you're anywhere in the Colorado area, you definitely should come to Colorado Springs and check this place out. Speaking of which, there's not a lot of news because we're in uh, the midst of reveal season. So, you know, there's uh, there's plenty of cards coming out, tons of them. I want to talk about a few of them here. Uh, but I did want to let you know that I'm going to be hosting another pre-release event here in Colorado Springs on Saturday, August 3rd from noon to 2 p.m. with my dear friend Saucy Mailman from Into the Wild and Rod Johnson from Tier 5. So if you're anywhere in the area, would love to see you. We'll be at the Hearthstone Native Coffee Shop, which is where we've done the past couple. Always a lot of fun to see people come out. We did have to move the hours because they're in a new spot and uh, can't be open during the evening. So noon to 2 p.m. that Saturday, August 3rd. And if you want more details, uh, I will put a link in the show notes to the Fireside Gathering link. Uh, Really excited for that. Should be a lot of fun and I can't wait to open up all of my packs. It's going to be a good time. So how about a couple of these new cards for us to talk about from Savers of Old Doom? And uh, I will let you all know as I have the past few because I think it's important if you're just tuning in, first time listening or anything like that, that I hold off talking about these too much because my good friend Wicked Good and I set aside six full hours to talk about every single card in depth and we wait until all cards have been revealed because you really don't know for sure the power level of some things based off of what kind of support they're going to get in this set. So we wait as long as we can uh, to hold off too many, too many of our judgments <laughs> And uh, we will be doing that as soon as all of them have been released. I assume, actually, that that will be as soon as next week. So, uh, yeah, we need to figure out a time to record, Steve, and we will. (laughs) Next week's episode might be delayed a day or two just to make sure that we can get all of those in. And I know timeliness of uh, these review episodes is very important. So I want to get you these before the set is released. And actually, we would have the second half dropping the day that Saviors of Oldham releases if uh, if they follow a similar schedule. So uh, really excited to get you all of these. Should be a really fun time. And so let's look at two of these cards real quick. One of them is Bloodsworn Mercenary. It's a warrior epic minion. It's a three mana, three, three, and it reads Battle Cry, choose a damaged friendly minion, summon a copy of it. And as soon as I saw this, I thought we've seen several cards before, at, le- at least a few. Sudden Genesis is the big one that came to mind that was like a five mana spell that summoned copies of all damaged friendly minions. And that specifically kind of had a combo uh, a combo bend to it, but it was tough to pull off because it was so expensive. With Bloodsworn Mercenary, this being only three mana, you can combo this with a single card that you're playing the exact same turn. So you think especially of Leroy Jenkins. There's kind of been a uh, rumblings going around of Leroy, Inner Rage, and Rampage. 
and you can still play Bloodsworn Mercenary on top of that. And that gives you, if my math is right, two 11 attack minions with charge. So Warrior would be able to burst down for uh, 22 damage in one turn with that four card combo, which isn't terribly crazy. And Mechathune Warrior has shown us that Warrior can, in fact, cycle through its cards pretty well. In fact, with a deck like this, you would probably run Battle Rage, which is the two mana, uh, draw a card for each damaged friendly character. Yeah, that's what it is, because your your face counts too. So this is potentially a very strong card. I like that this is going to push a different kind of archetype. I'm a little bit nervous, honestly, that this is too strong, because uh, this being able to be played with Leroy, if Leroy doesn't go to the Hall of Fame, then uh, I... That's probably where it's going to find its spot, honestly. Uh, can't combo with Grumash Hill Scream because it's just one mana too much. And I'm trying to think of any other big cards that would that would uh, be really important for this too. I Honestly, the other thought I had was with Frothing Berserker because there's a good chance you can get that to stick for a turn. And uh, the, the tough thing is summoning the, the extra copy of it. That copy won't be able to charge. So, uh, so yeah. Not nearly, I mean, Leroy is just kind of it for now. So it'll be interesting to see if there are other cards that sort of support this. Um, but make no mistake, a low cost to this effect is potentially very, very strong. And then we also just saw the rogue legendary minion, Anka, Anka, the Buried. It's a five mana, five, five, and it reads Battle Cry, change each death rattle minion in your hand into a one, one that costs one mana. So when I initially saw this, I was thinking this is like a proactive Sonya Shadow Dancer, basically. Sonya necessitated that you're able to trade some stuff in, but uh, Anka is able... Anka? That's actually going to bother me that I really don't know which one it is. Hopefully we'll hear this talked about <laughs> before uh, before we have to record the review episode. But uh, Paul Anka is all I can think of from Gilmore Girls, because yes, my wife has uh, subjected me to the entire series one time. And I did choose it. She didn't force me to, but it's such a core part of who she is. I felt like I needed to know it. Anyway, uh, this this effect is potentially very strong. I mean, you think about death rattle effects that are very strong, like, oh, I don't know, Mechathune. And being able to just change him immediately into a one-mana minion is very, very good. Uh, Hecklebot does not help because that pulls out of the deck. And I've seen a lot of people who are nervous about, like, Myra's Unstable Element and this card. I, I can't even like choose which one I want it to be now anymore. Um, yeah, this is, this is kind of crazy. And, and this reminds me of something for Rise of Shadows that was a big thing for me to consider with Walking Fountain. Uh, I felt like I really missed the reality that Walking Fountain is not just, uh, not just powerful because of its, its own minion. It's the way other cards can take advantage of it. Things like Eureka, like Muckmorpher, and so you sort of, with uh, Anka the Buried, I'll just go with that for now, uh, it forces you to look at death rattles, not necessarily the same way you have previously. So any, uh, any minion that has a very strong death rattle, even if it's uh, well-costed or anything like that, if it's powerful on its own, it could be enough for it to warrant a spot. Now, looking at the rogue death rattles that are in standard right now, there is not a lot, honestly. You got Blight Nozzle Crawler and Cursed Castaway, and that's really it. Uh, you do have, yeah, you do have uh, Grawl the Shark, but you need its battle cry in order for the death rattle to matter. 
Um, actually, I assume that would also change to a 1-1 one, one that costs 1. And so maybe that's not terrible. And then you got Myra, but that doesn't have death rattle until after you play it so you're really kind of left to look at your neutral cards so stuff like deranged doctor maybe um the undertaker surely you would put in there hakar the soul flare was actually another one that i thought of that would be really interesting as a one mana one one um but i don't really like mechathune is the only like win condition that you can really look at based off of what we're seeing here uh, so I'll be interested to see what else happens. This does seem kind of like a combo card, so it works well with uh, with Mechathune, obviously. So Mechathune Rogue could yet be a thing. I mean, being able to backstab a 1-1 that costs 1 is pretty uh, pretty relevant. We'll see how or if that plays out. We, it also bears to mention we haven't yet seen the quest, although if the quest doesn't have to do with uh, Death Rattle minions, I would be really surprised. I don't think it'll necessarily be just summon them because we saw that with Priest uh, with Awaken the Makers. But uh, maybe it would be something like Activate 5 Death Rattles because that allows you to play like Necrium Blade and those still count towards it or something like that. I don't know. Should be interesting. For So that that's all for the new cards. Um, of course, get excited for the reviews. And for the sponsor break, I just want to very, very briefly mention and remind you that if you are a patron of the show at $5 or above, you actually get access to the review spreadsheet that Wicked Good and I work really hard on to uh, keep up to date with our thoughts, kind of give some off-the-cuff comments, um, pointers, and also, of course, the scores that we're thinking (laughs) at the time. A lot of times we end up at different scores than we mentioned because we have time and we don't necessarily have context of all the cards, but it lets us get get a jump start. And then when we're actually reviewing them, uh, we're able to, uh, you know, go whole hog with that. So so if you are a patron of the show, I hope you've gone and seen that already. You can go to patreon.com slash the happy hearthstone and find the post that has that on there. And if you're not yet a patron, now is a fantastic time to do that, uh, especially joining the inner fire at $10 or more, because we'll be talking deck lists like crazy once the, uh, once the new expansion goes live and you'll get the encouragement and the challenge you need to really be able to rise on the ladder. So again, patreon.com slash the happy hearthstone. And as always, I can't thank you, uh, those of you enough who are supporting the show over there and investing in yourself in the meantime. So thank you so much for that. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of today. Again, big thank you to TVZ Games for uh, for the challenge and for leading us all into what you thought about uh, about the state of the game. I am going to assemble my thoughts into a blog post and, and probably a twit longer uh, just to kind of get it out there as much as we can. And for this episode, I really tried to think about all terms of the game, things that I like, uh, things that I'm not a big fan of, and how my uh, my engagement with the game has changed over time as well. And uh, one of the big things that I really wanted to take to heart in uh, in writing these out was something that I believe I attribute to Ixar. Uh, he, I, I heard him at one point ask for people when they're offering feedback to only speak to their own thoughts. And I think his point was that a lot of people will say, man, everyone hates this game or everyone loves what you guys are doing. And it doesn't really mean anything necessarily because it's not, it's usually not true or accurate. And it's tough for me from the, from the seat that I'm in because I talk with a lot of players, obviously. Uh, some are competitive, some aren't. Uh, but regardless, people who love this game 
And, and so I do feel like to some point I do represent a portion of the community, but I really want to keep my thoughts in this episode specifically to what Andrew Brown thinks about Hearthstone and what, uh, you know, where the, where the chips lie. So, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I want this to be constructive. I don't think there's ever anything truly gained by just kind of, um, you know, uh, leaving your thoughts or your ego unchecked and just uh, demolishing, you know, anything that stands in your way. Uh, I'm somebody who really wants to build people up. And sometimes that takes constructive criticism. And so I'll, uh, I'll offer thoughts and not, and hopefully not just a bunch of you need to do this better, but more so like, hey, here's some things maybe I would do if I were in the seat and let them influence uh, however you go from there. So I thought I'd start all of this off on a positive note because it's a happy heart. So come on. I know I've kind of like said I'm not going to be positive, but I got to be a little bit positive. And that's because I really think there's one thing in particular that the Hearthstone team is doing extremely well right now, and that's expansion flavor. I don't really feel like there's ever necessarily been an expansion that's kind of been like a, a flop necessarily, but I think that the Year of the Dragon in particular has been so on point with unique storylines while still drawing off of what people know from the World of Warcraft universe. And I think it's really been incredible, like getting to unite, reunite with the iconic characters of the past with the League of Evil and now the League of Explorers uh, and the battle that's going to happen between them has just been so, so cool. I've especially loved getting to see characters reimagined. I think uh, Blastmaster Boom really was one of the first ones. It was just like, oh, Boom is back, but it's a little bit different, but it still feels very much like him. I think seeing those new cards that are based off, off those characters is just a ton of fun. And overall, telling the stories through, you know, these dungeon run-ish experiences and, and all that stuff, it's just been really cool. So it feels like the game is alive. And like, these are expansions I'm really interested in. I think that the cards, too, have pushed new archetypes that have really spiced the gameplay up in some big ways. So lackeys and bombs were obviously a really big deal for this last expansion. Uh, personally, I'm a little concerned that the bombs are going to outlive their welcome, but they're here, uh, and and we've seen them. Uh, the development team really take some good strides. In fact, I think a huge choice that made it possible for things to feel so fresh this year is that Baku and Gen were, uh, what's the word, prematurely moved into the Hall of Fame based off of what they had said in the past, that they only wanted to uh, do this with classic cards and, uh, and potentially basic cards. But uh, for them to say that we don't think that another year of those cards is healthy and taking that, uh, taking that stance, I think it was bold and it was so well, uh, well welcomed is what I was going to say, but I don't think that's proper English. So it was so well received. That's what I was going for by the, by the Hearthstone community. So I, I especially like, I think too, if we were still seeing odd rogue and odd paladin, and I haven't even looked at these cards for reviews through that lens, uh, but I think I would be pretty tired and I'm sure that they were feeling that too. So overall, just super thankful that they did that. So now we'll move on to a couple of things that I think are key factors for why the game feels so different right now. And these aren't necessarily going to wow you. Uh, one may be something that you haven't thought of. Let's start with the elephant in the room, though. Ben Brode is no longer a part of this team, right? As are lots of others. And in any organization, it doesn't matter if it's video games or a nonprofit or... 
software developer, whatever. Teams live and die based off their leaders. Like this is just like fundamental team dynamics, uh, leadership building and stuff. The people that are led uh, really depend on the character, the personality, and the experience of their leader. And what's been really tough, especially I, I would say for me and the community, is that our relationship with Ben Brode was very, very different from our relationship with Chris Sigety, who is now the executive producer of Hearthstone. Um, and I, I'm almost positive that that's been done intentionally because no one can fill Ben Brode's shoes, right? He related with his audience. He knew the people who played his game. And he was just, I mean, he, he is a very unique character. No one can be Ben Brode. And I think that whoever was going to fill his shoes, if they were just trying to be him, uh, would really fail, no matter how good at it they were. And Chris Sigety has a well-decked past. He is very well accomplished and has a lot of experience with Heroes of the Storm and StarCraft II, for those of you who are unfamiliar. So the guy brings with him a wealth of knowledge and experience, I'm sure. The truth is that my knowledge of who he is, though, is so limited. The guy is not really on social media. He's been in one video that we've seen so far. And so it's really hard for me to get my pulse on, or my finger on the pulse of how he's doing or how the team is doing as a whole. But I think it's just worth saying that it takes time. He's been in that role, I think, for over a year now, if I, if I did my math right. And so he's just kind of starting to get his, uh, his legs underneath him for really establishing, hey, this is how we do things. This is what Hearthstone's big goals are. And regardless of how different that may have been with Brode in the driver's seat, uh, he's just getting started in that, in that arena. You know, when I was thinking about how he hasn't really been in the limelight for the Hearthstone community, I thought about some of the really difficult things that have been in the limelight from the developer side. In particular, probably two of the most brilliant and uh, the guys that we have most to thank for the experience we have in this game for what it was and what it is are Mike Denae and Ben Thompson. And these two guys in particular have gotten in really big trouble over what they've seen, and that's trouble in terms of the community. Uh, just some comments or interviews that were really, they were either confusing or felt like they were kind of put downs towards. So I, I, I don't wanna go dragging skeletons out of the closet, and honestly, I feel like it's water under the bridge at this point, but it makes sense to me that with as connected as we felt to Ben Brode, who was writing rap songs in his spare time <laughs> to, uh, to just appeal to the community, uh, with with the guy in his shoes who's not really talking and some experiences with other key members of the team that have really left a bad taste in our mouths, uh, there's just been, it, it's it's been hard to feel connected in a really positive way to the team behind the game. Now, that's not to say the team behind the game are are at all bad people or that, uh, I, I think I, I see some comments thrown around on social media about like not caring and stuff like that. I think that's really far from accurate, okay? Uh, in fact, two people who have probably been the most active when it comes to connecting with the community are Joe Mag, who does a lot with Tavern Brawls, uh, and I got to meet him at BlizzCon, super cool guy, and then Peter Whalen, who was on the show previously, 
Uh, and again, just can't speak good enough about him. So I, I think it's really important to recognize that there are some people who are really connecting well with the community. It's just not on the scale, I think, that like Ben Brode or Yang Wu or people like that uh, really uh, had basically already built their their platform and stuff like that. So all of that really is just context to kind of like how we got to where we got. And one of the key things I think that just feels very different. Now, because of not as much connection with the team necessarily, that sort of makes things fall to the community content creators. And that's another area that is pretty tough right now. Many content creators that even like rose to fame on Twitch because of Hearthstone are playing different games now, even exclusively other games. So the few that are really sticking around, uh, like Tice, Kibler, Slissa, like these are people who either exclusively play Hearthstone or play it more often than anything else. These these are probably some of the most well-known in America, at least. Um, it's just been interesting to see that the number continues to dwindle year after year of streamers that remain really highly dedicated to Hearthstone. And there are very few, if any, honestly, who exclusively stream Hearthstone. And I don't think that's true of many other games. And I do want to, of course, give credit where credit's due. Like, major respect to Disguised Toast. If you didn't hear, he was given a card to reveal for Savers of Old Doom. And he actually decided not to uh, not to reveal it. He sent it back to Blizzard, just told him, hey, I respectfully just don't want to do this based off of community reaction. Uh, there are lots of people who have been giving him flack for playing other games and for dedicating uh, himself to those. Honestly, it's making me take a step back because it's, it's incredible to me how uh, people who are just critical for honestly no good reason have really affected things. But he decided to take his own high road and just say, you know what, I'm just not going to do this and, uh, you know, allow you guys to do something else with it. So, um, so props to him as somebody who absolutely, I mean, he, his entire platform is built off of Hearthstone gameplay and videos and stuff. And he's moved on to a lot of other games. He's still involved with things here or there, but, um, but not nearly what he has been in the past. So, uh, you know, there are plenty of grandmaster players who have been voicing very strong opinions about format, fun, and overall engagement. It's tough for me because I'm sure it's not unique to Hearthstone. I think this is really what we all need to understand is that in any video game, there is a decay to players who are playing. And when Hearthstone first came out, there was nothing like it. It was the new hotness. Anyone who had any interest in card games at all had more access to this game than anything else. And since its release and its success, many other game companies have taken note. And obviously there have been complete card games that have been created for the digital space based off of Hearthstone's success. Uh, and huge players historically, like Magic the Gathering especially, have gotten their stuff together and created a great digital platform like Arena to be able to release that. So Hearthstone is not in the same landscape of games that it was when it first released either. Now, some the, the second thing I really wanted to talk about, other than the fact that the team has changed and really the connection with the team behind the game has changed a lot, is this other part that... The game has been around for a while, and I feel like to some point Hearthstone is actually going through a puberty phase. 
And that's not only because of the change in leadership, I think it's also because of the cycles that we've been through with this game. So when it came out, there was nothing like it, right? It was the new hotness. Now, we've had several iterations of new cards, new decks, nerfs, dry phase. New cards, new decks, nerfs, dry phase. New cards, new decks, you see what I'm getting at? And I think one of the biggest, uh, it, and, and this is me completely hypothesizing, I don't have insider information, but I would guess if I were in the shoes of the Hearthstone team, one of the biggest things is figuring out how do we continue to create engagement with this game during those to- those pockets of time between expansions. And I think it was really smart for them to uh, to delay the single player because you know a lot of people don't want to do that right off the bat anyway. So releasing that over five weeks definitely gives us something to come back to, especially the uh, Boomsday uh, buffs that we saw. I can't remember what that was called actually. Uh, what that event was called. Rise of the Mechs. Uh, yeah, it was Rise of the Mechs, right? Uh, doing that, I think, was hugely successful for them and for uh, us. I mean, I, I really enjoyed playing with some cards that maybe I hadn't considered in the past, but now were actually worth uh, worth tinkering around with. Uh, Pogo Rogue, of course, was my new love for a little bit. And uh, Rip Vanish, I miss you. I miss you so much. So that's one of the big things that the team really has to figure out. And it's, you know, they have to have reasonable expectations that with any game development, when a new expansion or DLC content is released, there's going to be a spike in players and over time it's going to decay. But finding the ways to continue to bring people back, you know, Tavern Brawl is another great part of that. I'm sure Um, it, it would be really interesting, I think, to see like the stats that I'm sure they have of uh of when players are playing how many players have played each day and kind of where that's at um certainly because we've seen so many cycles and not any massive changes to that format necessarily uh there are going to be people that decay overall so there are the core audience who are going to love and play this game no matter what many of them myself included play every single day and, uh, you know, if you're judging them, then there is this core base that you can sort of say is foundational as far as how many active players we have each day in our game. It's the events, it's the buffs, it's uh, tavern brawls, it's uh, things that are interesting, unexpected even, uh, that cause spikes, that cause people who may have fallen off to check it out again. And the hope is that maybe you can re-engage them to the point that they'll come back. But honestly, I think that in a lot of ways... Uh, especially with some of the really difficult seasons that Hearthstone has had with people falling off of competitive Hearthstone or streaming or or stuff like that, that there are a lot of players who have become lapsed. If you're not familiar with that term, that means they were once paying customers, but they are no longer that. There are a, a huge chunk of players who have been lapsed that are not going to return to the game outside of something massive changing. I don't know if it's Hearthstone 2.0, like it's a complete redesign from the ground up or something, um, but uh, outside of something that significant, they know what they're in for as far as new expansions. They might look at new cards. They might even come back for a week or two after uh, after a set's released. You might even get them to get 20 packs or something like that, but they are not going to add necessarily to the players who are playing every day. I think that's why there's been such a huge emphasis on new players 
because new players, on the other hand, are coming out without expectations. They're coming into this game hoping that it's something fun, hoping that it's something engaging, probably that it's whimsical, that it's something they can play in between things. There's a much greater chance of harnessing those new players and creating a loyal customer out of them as opposed to regaining people who have been um, lost previously. Uh, you And who knows, you may be able to get back some of them, but I think, and this is the marketer in me speaking, that from that perspective, you really have to focus on the people who are your highest potential, which are going to be the newer ones, probably. Now, because Hearthstone was first to market, because there are a lot of other competitors out there, now the new players are even more pricey than they were back then, because back then... Uh, there, there was no one that you had to compete with as far as ads are concerned, uh, as far as like content right out the gates and stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot now. And granted, I think their rank 50 to 26 edition was probably one of the best things that they could have done. But there's still a long way to go as far as um, as far as making that uh, building that out. Anyway, I probably went down a rabbit hole I didn't really need to go to with all of that. But I think I think it's helpful to just stop and give some context to what the people behind the game are dealing with. And again, this is mostly hypothetical, but I think there's probably some accuracy in what I'm saying, uh, just based off of my experience as a marketer and stuff like that. So, so I did bring up uh, the, uh, you know, the players who have been lost over time uh, again, because I had two co-hosts for this, uh, for this month who had told me that they wanted to come on this show because they love Hearthstone, they love this show and and getting to talk about it. And both of them had said, you know, I just don't play the game really at all anymore. It's not even I don't play it as much as I once did. It's just I haven't picked it up in months, man. And again, that's okay. But I would assume that if that's my experience with people uh, who are engaged with this game and who, who love it, uh, that there's probably more than just those two who have been doing that. And so it's kind of a bummer to see. And just to be perfectly clear, uh, again, no shade at all to people who have a growing disinterest in the game. I think it's just part of uh, cycles of games like this. Um, you know, we haven't lived long in a society where games are able to live for an extremely long period of time. And I think in a lot of ways, Blizzard it was the purveyor of a lot of that. And I, I guess this is also speaking from a guy who was really console-driven through his childhood. So, you know, Nintendos, Xbox 360, I, I had all that stuff. And you would buy a game and you'd play it for most most of a year, maybe. I think of like the Call of Duty games where they came out with a new one every year. You would play that one for the entire year. And then when the new one came out, the old one was gone. You know, you had your DLC, you'd get your season pass or something. Um, but that was it. And those games are still around. Uh, but games like Hearthstone, like World of Warcraft, like uh, StarCraft II or uh, Heroes of the Storm, like these games, uh, and Overwatch especially is a really big one too, they have an infinite life cycle, hypothetically speaking. But I think it feels weird uh, because we get so much more invested into the game that when we start to uh, have less of an interest in it, we almost feel guilty about that. And I kind of read that if you're listening to TVZ in your twit longer. And I just really want you to know that it's okay to feel the way that you do. It's okay to not like it too, especially uh, with uh, with her uh, history with the game. And you know, she mentioned that the game has been a huge bonding point for her and her husband. They've competed together. They've gone to events together. So more so than a lot of other players, I get 
that there's a desire to be connected to this game because it's played a pivotal role in your life. Um, but the truth is that our needs change over time, even in the very small subgenre of gaming and uh, and leisure activities like this. So, um, and and you probably already know that. But to anyone who is feeling like, man, I want to like this game, but I just don't as much. I want you to feel freedom uh, to feel that way. It's tough sometimes when you want something to be something that it's not. Um, but if this is a game where you really have, uh, you've had some great times and you're just not feeling that way anymore, you need to give yourself the freedom to do what you need to do. And probably a big part of that is not jumping to any uh, any uh, stringent statements like I'm never playing this game again or it's never going to be what it was because you don't know those things necessarily. But saying, you know, I'm going to take a break from this game. I'm going to just do my dailies or even I'm going to just log in for the tavern brawl or I'm just going to let go for now and see what happens uh, and, and engage with the game as I want. Those are all healthy, good things. And I know I'm not necessarily doing Hearthstone any favors here uh, from a marketing perspective, but, um, but I hope long-term I am, honestly, because I think that if you give yourself that freedom, there's a better chance that you could come back to it later when or if things change in a way that you, uh, that you feel better about uh, and, and have a positive engagement around that. And if that doesn't happen, guess what? You're free. I, and I, I, that sounds a little bit cold, but I don't want you to waste time and emotions around wanting something to be something that it's not. If you were in a relationship with somebody and you were saying the same things, a good friend would tell you, maybe it's time to rethink this. Uh, or maybe it's time to see a therapist or a counselor. You know, like it, you, you have options outside of gaming, but gaming is something that's fun to do. If this has turned into something that is not fun, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I can choose what I want, and what I want is this. And, and just go for it. Try something different. See how it feels. Uh, some people who take breaks around the game end up coming back more passionate than they were before. Others find out, you know what? I was really just straight up addicted to this game. I didn't really enjoy it. And now I found something else that I like a whole lot more. Uh, TVZ mentioned Dota Underlords in her uh, Twit Longer. And if, you, if you're enjoying that game, go play it. Uh, I'm, I'm very certain that there are going to be even more options for that genre in the future. I have no clue who or how. I mean, we've got two right off the bat. But it seems like they're doing pretty well for themselves. So... Um, if that's your jam, go for it. You know, I, I've said on the show before that I really enjoy playing Apex Legends right now just because it's so different. It challenges me in a different way. And there are a lot of times when I'm at home thinking, what do I want to play right now? And it's not necessarily ladder. I want to go blow up some fools and create some smoke screen. And I'm trying to learn Watson because she's just crazy. I can't really get her barriers down. But anyway, it's something fun and that's okay. And you know what? As I've given myself freedom to do that, I've found that my desire to get on ladder actually has grown. So whether that's your story or not, um, I want to take a sidestep, I guess I already have, from, from this open letter to speak to you, the listener, directly. Whatever you need to do, do it. And certainly with all this talk about uh, Hearthstone not being what it is, if you're uh, in a similar place to where I am, where you still very much love this game, uh, don't feel like you're missing out on something or that, you know, I, I think there's sometimes a tendency in us to almost feel guilty about enjoying a game when a lot of people aren't. There's nothing that you should be feeling in that, 
in that domain. So keep enjoying it. And honestly, Saviors of Oldham is going to be a blast. So I can't wait even more for that. Um, so I've talking, I've talked a lot about some stuff, and I haven't even, I haven't really uh, dove into esports at all. Uh, something interesting. I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, but from what I understand, the esports team behind Hearthstone is actually a separate uh, team from the Hearthstone. So you don't necessarily have the people who are creating esports events daily in conversations with the people who are like developing cards or marketing or anything like that. Um, most everyone involved with Hearthstone is technically one team, and then the people who are in charge of esports for Hearthstone are a part of the grander esports team. I now don't take me verbatim on that. I might be off, but I'm from what I've heard that's the structure. So when you look at esports and what's been going on with Hearthstone over the past year, it makes a lot of sense to me that even though there's been a lot of good things happening with expansions, with cards and flavor and all of that, esports is just a different uh, a different can of worms altogether. And it's tough for me to speak to it directly because I don't have a lot of skin in the game, uh, especially as a competitor or experience really other than playing in some of the qualifiers purely for fun or being an observer. So again, I want to take Ixar's advice and speak to my opinions, especially where they're well warranted, um, because there are plenty of other people who are grinders in these master qualifiers and have either achieved success or haven't who are better qualified to speak to those things. Um, so I'll speak more to my experience as uh, as a viewer, but also um, competing at DreamHack Denver, which is a big thing that honestly I severely miss. Uh, I am not one who is going to travel the country necessarily for tournaments. DreamHack Denver being the only one I was really at and it was in my backyard, you know, that kind of speaks to that. But I had an experience both in competing and connecting with people at DreamHack Denver that was really second to none. And I think that one of the biggest missing elements from competitive Hearthstone right now is having something uh, that really scratches that itch. And I think you can do that for highly competitive people and people who are just interested in competing. DreamHack really proved that by having an open tournament format where anyone can enter and you're up and playing against some of the best players and there's a really big prize pool. And if you end up having a great run, you could, in fact, make a name for yourself off of that. Um, but even if you don't, you have an experience that very few people get to have, which is competing with the highest level of competitor. And whether you win or lose, learning from that experience. Something that this made me think about is that when I was a kid, I was really into Pokemon. And I had the, uh, the Game Boy games. I loved the trading cards, all that kind of stuff. And I remember that Nintendo held these events uh, nationwide in America that allowed people to go to, uh, I, I think Toys R Us was a big partner back then, RIP, uh, but they, they would have these exclusive events where you could uh, get an exclusive Pokemon from showing up, you could battle, they would have tournaments, uh, cards were given out, you know, there, and they were on a smaller scale, honestly. I would go to some of these, and there wouldn't be more than maybe 15 to 20 people. I'd go for a little bit, play a few games, and then go back home. Uh, and it was really a lot of fun to be able to connect in a very different way, especially back then when we didn't have the uh, multiplayer um, network that we have now with games. And I think it would be really interesting if the esports team at Blizzard would consider doing something similar to this, but not just for Hearthstone. 
Honestly, and and this would take some uh, some shifts in strategy because I know that they're not necessarily looking at uh, esports as the most profitable thing on their menu. But if the esports team across the board, I'm talking World of Warcraft, Starcraft, Overwatch, did something on a smaller scale like this, four to six global events that hosted qualifiers or tournaments or something similar to what I'm talking about, where maybe you get some in-game loot from going to these things, or but more so you have an opportunity to compete. I mean, DreamHack Denver, I think that entire thing could have been just Blizzard products. And uh, it would take a lot of effort. So I'm not trying to throw out a, a low-hanging fruit thing here. But I think that there would be enough demand. And for people who are even newer to the scene, who haven't gone to fireside gatherings or something like that, I know some of you are thinking that in the back of your mind. Well, they're, they're doing the firesides. And, and granted, that is much easier for them to do, is to equip other people to run tournaments for them. Um, but fireside gatherings especially, I feel like, aren't in a great place right now, especially with the decision, which which kind of baffles my mind, to uh, to allow private firesides to get all of the in-game prizes that uh, are the exclusive stuff that public firesides can get. Because the truth is that anyone can set up a private fireside and get that stuff now, and they don't ha- they hardly have to do any work to get there. That was the thing that was really uh, keeping people engaged or at least getting them off the couch to go and meet other people. Uh, Now, it is purely for the sense of community. So you have people connecting at Firesides who want to, which is great, um, but you have nothing really incentivizing other people to connect who may not any other way. And I think, I personally, I believe that was a really strange and poor decision Uh, It's something that can be reconciled because you can always come up with new exclusive things. But I think it's I I, I think the private firesides existing is a good thing because some people live in remote areas where they can't uh, where where they really can't make it. But having the incentives to get people out and connecting, uh, even if it is uh, uh, a chore for those people who may not be to a to close to a huge city or something is well worth it in regards to uh, the community that you're going to create and the buy-in, honestly. Because the fun we've had at these pre-release gatherings has been really great. Um, but I think that there's a lot of room, and I know uh, Hearthstone's in the process of uh, of hiring a community manager that specifically it said on their job site was going to be in charge of Fireside. So hopefully there's some room uh, and some intentionality to improve in that. The only other big thing that I wanted to say in regards to the esports division is uh, is in in uh, in regards to the grandmaster system. And again, this is this is for me personally. So so here's something you may not know about me: I don't watch the NFL, and honestly, I have no desire to watch the NFL. Mostly, they may be the best football players in the country, but they get paid way too much to prove way too little. Now, the NCAA, on the other hand, to me, is thrilling. You've got a ton of young talent that want to prove that they have what it takes to be the best of the best. And even though there are far more mistakes made in NCAA games, to me, it's a million more times entertaining uh, because it's fun to watch these players uh, actually compete and try to prove something. And my feelings about Grandmasters have been exactly the same since the moment they were announced. I think maybe I had uh, a little bit of uh, of grandeur in thinking about how, oh, Pavel's going to be competing again, and he could go up against Firebat, and it'd be 
you know, um, this um, meeting of the minds, this big competition. Uh, but I, I very quickly realized I, I don't have any desire to see these really good players face off because what, what's really the point? And this was even before I heard that only two players were going to be rotating out of it each season. The people who are in it have worked incredibly hard to get there. I'm not arguing that point whatsoever. But I personally have zero interest in watching them have a noodle fight over who's the best out of them, uh, especially when they're getting paid. And uh, many of them, honestly, it seems, have just deteriorated in their prep and their engagement and all sorts of stuff. Now, for me, watching the Vegas Masters Tour, on the other hand, was exhilarating. I watched more competitive Hearthstone that weekend than in the past year combined. Uh, and I, I, I think that really moving things to that is going to be more engaging for a lot of players. I, I will turn on the Hearthstone Twitch if there are Twitch drops enabled. Like, that's just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm enough of a sucker that I want the free packs. Um, but you're just going to be buffing your numbers. You're not going to actually have me engaged as a player. I'm going to turn it on and I'm going to go to the other room and play with my kids and stuff, you know, because I just, I, I, there's just nothing in it for me other than the packs in that regard. I think that the, the chances to find Masters Tour-ish events like that, uh, whether they're created by yourself or promoting some of the other league-ish groups that have, uh, that have cycled and been created in the Hearthstone sphere, uh, bringing attention to those, uh, maybe promoting them and giving them what they need to be able to take off, could create some content that I'm really interested in on a competitive note. And I feel like I have to say it, but the World Championship being Grandmaster exclusive this year is beyond absurd. And I hope I'm being accurate with that because everything I've read sure makes it look that way. Uh, it, it, seems, it seems absolutely insane to me that there's no inlet for, for people to get there. I'm not saying it should be easy for anyone to get there because it should be gruelingly difficult. But just completely making a cap and saying these people who have already proven themselves are the only ones who get to be there. Um, I, I think it's a foolish mistake, honestly. And it takes away from the title of best player of the year because there are more players that are playing Hearthstone this year in 2019 than the 48, 56, I can't remember how many grandmasters that there are at the top of the game. So um, so yeah, I, I just have to say that. And I guess the final thing to say, again, from my own opinion, is that I am not a fan of specialist. I think this meta in particular has been an example of the worst possible scenario for specialists uh, because, I, I again, I was already disinterested in Grandmasters, but then seeing the lineups of Control Warrior Mirrors had me even more so avoiding it than before. I, uh, you know, competing in DreamHack Denver, I got to do a last Hero Standing uh, tournament, and I've done a couple others, actually, that, that were much smaller in the area. And I, I really think that it's a lot more fun seeing a strategy arise from multiple decks rather than uh, one deck with a couple variations. And um, it's difficult because I think I've seen people have opinions that have really flip-flopped back and forth over the years. So, you know, because we had, we had so many tour stops this past year. And people were saying, man, there are too many tournaments to fly around to. And so Blizzard said, okay, well, here's online qualifiers. And now I've seen some of the same people say, ah, I miss hanging out with my friends and I miss going to these competitions. And again, it's a valid feeling. It's just, it, it puts the team in a, an impossible place to make a correct decision, right? 
Um, or I saw people saying, man, matches are taking way too long. Okay, well, here's Specialist. Now there's only one deck. And ah, I wish we had more decks, you know, and, and I'm to blame for that. I just gave my feelings on that. So I think that across the board, um, we need to have an immense amount of patience and understanding. I think it's pretty glaring at this point that the competitive side of Hearthstone is probably the weakest right now out of anything that's going on. And it makes sense to me, honestly, if they're on a different team, if they're under different leadership, that that's what's happening. Um, but regardless, I'm sure that they are not at all uh, just immune to the feelings at large uh, that a lot of people are having. And I don't know for sure whether viewership numbers have been up or down thanks to Grandmasters. I mean, Grandmasters, I, for, um, for what it's worth, has been the first system we've had of regular competitive Hearthstone matches. So I, I th probably to some degree it's been successful for them because it's given them uh, some, somewhat of a foundation as far as what's possible. Um, but again, for my personal taste, I just don't have a single a bit of interest in that. I think that some of the other events that they've done that have been more fun in nature, uh, like the um, the Rise of the Shadows Invitational that they did, I think that that was actually the most interesting one out of everything they've done this year. The single player was 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 kind of interesting, and I liked more of the fun take that they had on things, but it's still at the end of the day, I, I wasn't too interested because I wanted to do the single player for myself, so I was a little disengaged. And the Rise of the Mechs Invitational was probably the strangest of them all because I think they brought in a lot of streamers who were not Hearthstone specific. And it just felt weird to me. It felt like they were almost going for people who were, uh, quote unquote, going to bring more viewership than people who were not. And I don't even think that actually turned out for the better uh, for them. So hopefully it was a learning point. But uh, it, ju it just felt weird. I, I don't have the interest in seeing people who don't play the game typically to play the game. <laughs> I want to see the key Hearthstone players there. So anyway, okay. So the, I, I, I'll be interested to see what comes from all of that, but I don't think again that, uh, that they're not hearing us and hopefully there will be some big announcements. I, I do think it is going to have to be incremental changes over a long period of time though. Uh, and so here's hoping that there's better days ahead. Uh, we'll be waiting to see what happens. And as I'm bringing this section to a wrap, I want to talk about some fun things and uh, one more big suggestion that I have. So uh, let's talk about a, a few other positive things here. The amount of updates that the Hearthstone team has done over the past nine months has been astounding. So if you re recall, I think it was a week or two after Rastakhan's Rumble was released that they did um, that they did some nerfs. I think that was when the Druid nerfs hit of Nourish and Wild Growth. It was right after the set was released and it just was a breath of fresh air to see them be so aggressive about some changes like that that were really a big deal. The Rise of the Mechs buffs uh, that I mentioned before, just incredible that they were willing to do that. And I'm hopeful, I, it sounds like they're going to do more stuff like that. So um, just really encouraging to see the amount of proactivity they're taking towards nerfing cards and stuff like that. Um, the sales that they've been doing have been nice too. I remember a year or two ago, there were just never any sales uh, for anything Hearthstone related. So the fact that we're seeing some of those now and uh, probably seeing at least one or two each expansion release is pretty nice. You're giving users easier access to packs at a discount. And so that's great. And it helps to uh, combat the pay to win argument that I don't hear nearly as much anymore. And it is tough, especially for newer players to build a collection. So I think anything you can do along these lines is fantastic. 
And uh, I would say that the Tavern Brawls also overall have been more exciting, fun to play. Uh, the Fire Fest Evil, especially uh, that week of uh, Blackrock Dungeon Runs was insane. Seeing people posting their, uh, you know, their fastest times and stuff. And so I hope we'll see more stuff like that that really catches us off guard, uh, gives us a lot of stuff to do. Uh, and especially right before, you know, the set was released, I think it was perfectly timed to give us something that unexpected. Um, and so I'll end all of this with a big note that I think um, it is tough for me because, you know, when tournament mode got announced that it wasn't going to happen for now, I thought at the time that it was not that big of a deal. I know a lot of people were upset. There are even some players, especially highly competitive players, that took that as the final nail in the coffin for them. And for me, it was just like, you know, I don't play this game for the competition sector, so I don't mind that much. And I think that it's probably a larger majority of players than not. Uh, but the more that, that like esports continues to struggle and there not being anything in game that's baked in for players to do other than the ladder system, which I, I didn't even write about that, but that probably needs some attention too, as far as like how it matters or rewards and stuff like that. Anyway, I'd have to do a whole other episode maybe about that. But now looking back and at the current state of things, I'm more convinced than ever that Hearthstone really needs a way to play competitively in the game. And I don't care if it's a spin off of the Brawliseums that we've seen or if they're weekend limited tournaments, uh, but I, I have to give credit where credit's due because many of you know that I, I do play the card game Eternal quite a bit also, really enjoy that game a lot. And I've seen them do this extremely well, albeit not perfect, uh, but they've run these limited tournaments that are open to anyone to compete. And you basically, uh, you enter with a deck and it is its own uh, ladder system-ish. And I think it's like something like 20 or 30 games that you just get matched up against people who have a similar record to you. Uh, kind of think arena, except for it's, it's a constructed uh, thing. And then at the end, end of the play period, the top 24, 32, uh, however, 128 players are invited to play in a single elimination bracket on Sunday during a specific time. And then those players get broadcast on their official stream. And all of this is in-app. And uh, by the way, they do charge you for entering that. And uh, they do allow an in-game currency, but there's also uh, you know, a way to pay for that as well. So as much as I think Blizzard cut this because it wasn't going to be the most profitable thing for them, having something along those lines, I don't even care, honestly, if you just rip them off completely would give casual, competitive, or amateur players something significant to do and to be able to prove themselves in. Uh, the, the Masters Tour qualifiers have not been great overall from what I've read and a little bit of my experience. And so I'm really eager to see something that's more in line or streamlined in the app uh, to actually take care of this. And I think it actually would create a significant amount of direct revenue. And granted, the team has to decide what's most important, and I, I trust them at the end of the day. Like I said, I'm not entirely competitive. I like to prove myself on the ladder, but that's about where it ends for me. But I'm not saying that that would be the end if there weren't some better ways of being able to um, being able to compete, prove myself. Uh, I do like to think that I know a thing or two about this game, and so if there were chances to be able to do that better, I think I would be into that. So... 
that that's my final recommendation and something I see as a really gaping point for the team. Um, at the end of the day, I very much love this game. Is it the game that it was three years ago? No, but no game is going to be that. And if we continue to expect the exact same feeling every day out of this game, as we did when we started, uh, when things were different, um, I think that we're doing them and ourselves a disservice. Being able to accept the game as it is now um, and being able to gauge what you, how you want to engage with it um, and being okay with that is really key to <laughs> maintaining your sanity. I've seen a lot of people lose their lunches over thoughts and things that I don't think should have that much of a place in your mindset, who you are as a person or as a gamer. So um, so be willing to look at it sober-mindedly and make those choices. Um, I still very much love this game, very much love the community around it. I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep pre-ordering because I, I want to see more come from it. And I'm hopeful that there will continue to be an, uh, an embracement of, or is that the right word? I don't know. A, uh, I guess an exchange between the developers, between the community, and hopefully we can continue to bridge that gap. And I, I know I, I certainly counted an honor to be able to play a part in doing that by having people on the show, uh, by creating content for you every single week. So um, just, yeah, I guess that puts me in a place of just saying thank you for engaging with the game. And I hope that in some way, uh, well, for sure, that this gives you a peek into what I think and how I feel, but also that it gives you permission to feel the way you feel and also choose uh, choose the things that you um, that I guess are accurate to who you want to be uh, when it comes to engaging with the game. So... I love you, Hearthstone. You kind of have me, and I, I love that you have me and that I have you. So <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and move to our community section. We actually had a new iTunes review this week. So thank you so much to Ranger Dove Falcon, who uh, titled their review, Worth My Time, smiley face, five stars. And it reads, I've listened to this podcast since 2014. Each episode is spoken well and a ton of fun. Uh, Ranger, that means so much. Uh, you have listened to this show for a very long time. So thank you so much for taking the time to leave a review and leave your mark on the show. If you'd like to do that also, you can go over to Apple Podcasts on your app. You may even be listening in to it right now. And with a couple of buttons, you could uh, leave a review, let other people know what you think about the show. And uh, yeah. I will be doing a raffle at the end of this month. So I think the first episode of August, I'll be doing that for an hour of free coaching. So if you're interested in doing that, you can either leave a review and send me an email at thehappyhearthstone at gmail.com to let me know you did that. Or if you've left a review in the past, you just need to send me an email saying you'd like to enter for this raffle and I'll add you in. I'll be honest, after doing four weeks of Card of the Week, I am running a little bit low in the uh, in the inspiration department. So I scrounged together a song and an idea, and we're going to have fun talking about something that is uh, way off meta. So uh, here's how we do this. I miss the twist of your stash. I miss the flow of your cape. I miss the gasp of my opponent when you come back and they didn't expect it. So recurring villain, come on back here. Show us what you got, recurring value is near. Just need to buff you a little. 
to have you close infinite buffing and you'll never let go yeah that's what i got <laughs> and that wasn't i don't think i really followed the song even that well anyway recurring villain is the card that i chose for this week five mana three six and it reads death rattle if this minion has four or more attack resummon it and this is a card that was kind of cool uh, when rise of shadows was releasing but really hasn't seen any play, um, I don't think. And as I was thinking about it and getting ready uh, about how like this card just hasn't really made its mark, I was thinking, yeah, I mean, I, I assumed Paladin would kind of be the place for it because Paladin has some buff stuff, especially for attack and whatnot. And I, I was pulling up hsreplay.net because you can uh, you can search through cards and like look at the most popular deck lists that have them. And so I looked up Recurring Villain, and actually the only class that's represented here with it is Priest. And that makes sense because Priest has that little card called uh, Inner Fire or maybe Topsy Turvy. And those make a lot of sense with Recurring Villain even more so. Um, I, I hadn't thought about it, but being able to play out Recurring Villain with inner fire or topsy-turvy and then getting it back and being able to use it because uh, I, I think the few times that i've played inner fire priest this expansion release the really tough thing is when you go all in with one minion and then they're just able to deal with it at least recurring villain gives you an option as long as they don't silence it that it's going to come back on the board and give you more fuel so i think that's really interesting in fact i see banana buffoon in uh, in some of these deck lists I think that's cool because you just throw a one on top of this and at least it's going to last. And obviously extra arms after getting its buff from Rise of the Mix. That uh, that helps you out here too. So I don't know if it's ever going to find a place in the meta. In fact, looking at the card, all of its deck win rates have been below 50% since it was released. So not a lot of hope for our recurring villain friend. And I haven't seen anything in this expansion that would uh, have a, have anything to say. In fact, uh, Anka, Anka uh, is not going to help this at all. In fact, that's going to hurt it. So, yeah. Sorry, recurring villain. You may not be recurring, but uh, I kind of wonder if there will be a card that really throws it. Um... Oh, you know what? It's Lady in White. That's what you need. If Lady in White permanently brought it back, that would be something. I Actually, here's the biggest thing that would bring recurring. Now I'm really digging deep. If they changed the way that things work, and minions perpetually kept their buffs. So right now, like if a minion dies, it loses all its buffs, right? But if it kept its buffs, if when you resurrected it, it had it was a 6-3 or 6-6. Six, six. Or um, if you returned it to your hand or, or whatnot. Uh, yeah, I'm really thinking broad brush. But I think that's the only thing that would really keep it in the game. Power Word Replicate is interesting with it too. Anyway, let's get off that card. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this uh, different episode of the Happy Hearthstone, and I hope it was helpful. I'm always eager to hear your feedback, what you think about episodes, and what you'd like to see for future episodes. You can let me know that through email at thehappyhearthstone at gmail.com. You can hit me up at Twitter at Andrew's Living, or you can join our Happy Hearthstone Discord at thehappyhearthstone.com slash Discord. You just click on the link that's on that page, and it'll shoot you over to where we're all hanging. I always love being able to hear from you about those kinds of things. 
And if you like this show, you want to see it grow, and you want to invest in yourself, you can check out the Patreon over at patreon.com slash thehappyhearthstone, where I'm coming out with videos and all sorts of exclusive content for you to be able to, uh, you know, be a part of things and uh, gain a little uh, insight as a player and grow. And I have to send a huge thank you to the producers of the Happy Hearthstone, Menach, KJ Miller, and Brian O. You three mean a ton to me. I love connecting with you and spending time with you. Um, I actually didn't see if KJ hit affiliate or not. I know he was very close the other night. Um, but if you haven't checked him out on Twitch, you definitely should. Twitch.tv slash KJAY Miller. Uh, super cool guy. He's a digital marketer too. So we're able to connect on a number of different levels. So I appreciate you, KJ, Menoch, and Paul for Brian for supporting the show. Thank you so much for being producers of the Happy Hearthstone. That's all I got for you. Honestly, this was such an intense show. Just talking about um, the state of the union, I guess. Um, although if I'm if I'm not on my A game for uh, the review episodes that are coming up very shortly. Um, yeah, I'm kind of going to be in a world of hurt. So I'm going to get some rest as best I can. <laughs> and I can't wait to come back to you next week with part one of our Savers of Old Doom uh, release, or review. So it should be a great time. And in the meantime, be sure you're connecting with me over on Twitter at Andrews Living. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy all of the new cards that are coming up and the insanity that's about to hit us with the next show. Thank you so much for visiting the Happy Hearthstone and having a little fun with us. I'll see you next time. <laughs>